Welcome back to Inside the Forest. Here's your host, Cameron Lemons Debro. This is the first time I'm doing one of these instant reaction podcasts, but I feel like this one's necessary just I means the last game of the season. And that's that's a problem. Uh, I mean, it, it, what we saw essentially was just an issue. Um, it, if Waking won this game, I would have been fully, I would have been fully been on the sense of, you know, this game, this season is just fine. Um, but now I think with the loss, it's very much in the disappointment of the season. Um, it has, it has been. It, it, and part of it is some certain things aren't going to always go your way. Last year, I actually made this point to someone in my DMs a little bit earlier. You know, last year, Wake went three and one, one score games. This year, they went one three. That's your season. That's your season in a nutshell right now. That is, I mean, look at the end of the game, the last three drives, you know, you can't convert on third and two, give up two just coverage busts, and then you drop four straight balls. I'll say third, I'll say you drop three on a drive. I'll, I'll give us a little bit of slack to Blake Whitehart on that one. But I mean, you had three drops and Sam did miss a guy on the, he missed Marin on that fourth down. He just, I was just in the press conference. Uh, he brought it up himself. No one asked him about it. He, there was a guy right there at the sticks, but I mean, just execution stuff, just terrible. I mean, we'll start with the defense and, you know, I've seen some people going, oh, well, like, do we fire Lambert? Do I, you know, I give Lambert a D minus or this and that. I mean, there are definitely positives and definitely negatives. Positive is the run defense has looked good all year. I mean, they've, they've, they've been a pretty good run defense all year and it didn't stop this, this week against Duke. Uh, Duke, I mean, Duke ended up with 116 rushing yards on 30 carries. I'm pretty fine with that, especially the simple fact that Duke is one of the best rushing teams in the ACC. That's three point, that's less than four yards carry. Uh, Duke usually rushes for about 191 yards a game. You hold them to almost 100 yards less than that. I'm completely fine with that performance. The bigger issue is on the defense. I'm on the passing defense, excuse me. Passing defense this year has just has just decided to really regress. And the biggest reason for that, it's not necessarily a fake. It's a it's it's a known thing at this point of so there are different ways and techniques and, you know, podcasting is a, is a, is a, is a visual medium at this point, but there are two different ways you're able to play corner and you teach your corners. You can have them play in phase or you can have them play out of phase. If you're having them play in phase, you're essentially allowing them to, you're essentially allowing them to be able to just play the ball in the air. But with that sort of, with that sense they're able to, people are able to just get behind them 24 seven. And this is when they're when they're playing man coverage. Let's just, let's just as a point out, and that'll be important for the rest of this. When you're playing man coverage and you're in phase, you're allowing them to essentially play the ball in the air. They can do whatever they need to do there. And that results in more interceptions, but it also results in the guys just getting behind you 24 seven. Then you have playing out of phase. Out of phase is essentially you are going low shoulder. There's no help over the top. You can't look for the ball at all. You are essentially running step for step with the receiver. And that is it. What's happening right now is, and what's happened for years in terms of their past defense when they're playing man coverage. And again, this is when they're playing man coverage. 
they are just not strong enough. I don't want to say they because it's not all of them. Two of the guys that they're expecting to be strong enough to hold up in man coverage aren't. That one of the biggest reasons I think they were excited about a guy like JJ Roberts in the preseason and during and during fall camp was his ability to be. He, he's he looks just built, and you know he should be able to be absolutely trying to bully people off the ball, and that's one of the biggest things that you have to do when you're trying when you're playing out of phase. Is you if since you're not able to play the ball in the air you are supposed to be able to either a be able to rip the ball through rip your hands through the ball when you see the ball is in their in their arms or b bully them off the route so that way even if the throw is good they're still just not on they're they're not in the right space that hasn't been happening that's you have a guy like jj whose skill set is supposed to be like that that's not happening you have a guy like isaiah wingfield and I don't necessarily want to, this isn't necessarily being like you're a bit, you're bad. It's just, this is just kind of what it is at this point. Like Isaiah Wingfield, that's his, his stature. That's why they, that's one of the reasons why they took him out of the slot position is because he doesn't have the necessary, he doesn't have the necessary speed and quickness to handle these slot receivers in the ACC, but he's actually looks, looks and he's built the right way to be an outside corner and just hasn't been strong enough to, to rip through the balls when they, when they're, when they're, when they're thrown. He hasn't been able to, to, to get people off their routes. Like, and that's, that's a big issue. I mean, I look at a guy like Gavin, Gavin, I kind of go back and forth on because I, I think he's playing a bit out of position. I think if, if he, if, when he returns next year, I think there might be a push for him to be in the slot because he has the necessary quickness and speed to handle that. And he doesn't have to necessarily be strong. So Gavin, Gavin's still a, a thing. I, I love Gavin. I think he has, and I think I mean, talk to coaches in the ACC and they'll probably say Gavin Holmes has the best talent out of any, he has one of, he's one of the better talents out of any of the corners in the country. But I think the fact that he's having to play a court, play an outside corner in a style that doesn't suit him is really hurtful for him. And I think that's something like that hurt just your Taylor a bit. And that's one reason, one reason when they moved to Sear Taylor to the slot, just Sear Taylor was actually really good when he was when he was actually having to play the slot. A lot of times just Sear wasn't that great when he was playing the outside because it's just a he for the way that they teach their receivers, I don't think he had the necessary necessary strength to handle these bigger receivers. It's not a, not necessarily a height issue, it's a weight issue. So, and you know, the next question is: well, why don't you teach people how to play in teach people to play in phase instead of out of phase? And, you know, part of that is there's, that's just a different style that everyone teaches would be a lot of the people that play, you know, I would say a lot, most people that play in phase are going to be guys that are teams that have absolutely insane athletes, you know, who plays in phase Alabama. I don't think anyone would argue Wake and Alabama have the same sort of guys at cornerback. And I think that is that is the bigger issue there. It's just and it's and it's not just so much something I'm just kind of pulling out of pulling out of my ass here. If you listen to Dave Clawson's radio show on Wednesday with Stan Cotton, you know something I do more often than not is I I'll listen to it, see what he says, because he does say some interesting things from time to time in those things. And one of the things he mentioned was they needed to get bigger. And at first I kind of thought it would be taller, which is something that has been thrown out to me multiple times. 
but he went on to say that they just, they're just not strong enough to get people off the routes. And that's something we saw over and over and over again tonight against Duke. They're not strong enough to, to get the ball out when the ball, when they're not, if you're not able to play the ball in the air, you still have to be strong enough to, to break it up when it's, when you see it landing in the receivers, receivers hands, and they're just not strong enough to do that. And that's that's the biggest issue right now with with the defense is they just have to get stronger. It's why I keep that's why I've kept pushing the idea of a guy like Antonio Robinson coming in next year and he's going to be an early enrollee and really been playing like a lot because I mean he's he's built if he's able to actually be strong and and actually bully people off the routes he he'll probably earn time. I think the same thing with a guy like. Jamari Glasker, um, you know, he's a bit of a taller guy, six, six, one, one eighty. same sort of thing. If you're able to, if you're able to do that, then you'll be able to play. It's Amari Stevenson. I think he, I think he's been banged up and hasn't been able to play, but that's one of the reasons why, why that's happening. A guy like Deshaun Jones has to get stronger. Like that's just what's going to have to take for that to rectify itself. Um, I mean, on offense, also, it wasn't necessarily the best. I know that they put up what four hundred and fifty-three yards, I think, total. I mean, it was brutal. That last sequence was brutal. There were three, three, three drops on that. That was that was tough to watch. Um, you know, there were some things that were great in terms of. I thought they, I thought they got away from running the ball a little bit. I know, I know, Duke was was blitzing them a lot, but I feel like they they got away from running it, um, or and not just running it, but actually just kind of running a slow mesh, which is you know very like oh everyone's like. Oh no, like the, the slow mesh is the issue. They when they were running the slow mesh earlier in the game, it was de- it was destroying Duke. Like Duke had really no answer for it. Um so the biggest answer for that was was Duke blitzing, which turned Wake into more of a drop back offense, which is something I know people want them to be more often. Like, no, I think that the biggest part of Wake is being an actual RPO team, whether it's slow mesh or just regular RPOs. And they kind of got away from that. And it, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a game where I've seen a game where they won where, you know, Ellison is having 10 carries heart. Uh, Cooley's having seven carries, uh, five carries, Christian Turner, seven, like those guys are, those guys combined for 22 rushes. And, you know, there were some times Sam could have, could have taken off and definitely showed up. And I don't think that, that changed anything, but I think the game really came down to three with, with the three drops in that, uh, that last drive. Um, I thought they played the, I thought they played the the third down as aggressively as they should have. I would have I would have liked to run on that. And this I said this during I, I thought pre flop they were going to run the ball there. And I was like, okay, well, cool. At least you get a fourth and one or fourth and inch, or you possibly get a first down. And you know this game's kind of over here. You ended up getting sacked, and I didn't really agree with that one. But it is what it is. I mean, on the whole, it's just and right now we're kind of kind of take this down to the, to, you know, the season as a whole and you know, what's next. Cause I think that's the important part is what's next. And I mean, what's next right now is first and foremost. I mean, you, I, I did a, I did an article earlier in the year or in the week, excuse me on, you know, what is, you know, who they're losing this and that, this and that, this and that. And I just kind of go. Actually, before I go to the season, I want. I want. I I've seen some stuff about Bryant Lambert, and I kind of go. 
it, it, it's kind of, it, it's a little bit baffling. I can under, I can understand frustration. I, I completely get it. I was, I was not thrilled with the defense today or most of the season, especially the past defense, most of the season, not thrilled at all. But I think one of the, one of the, one of the laughable things last year was, well, I think about this is last year, people were, were essentially calling for Lyle Hopeless head. And I mean, Dave Clawson essentially fired him and, you know, people were really, really happy. And they hired Brad Lambert and Purdue was one of the best defenses in the country last year. And then now all of a sudden people are like, Oh, we hired this guy that, you know, makes someone look halfway competent and you know, this and that. And then I, and I kind of go, I had, I had someone else ask me to fire Lambert. And I'm just like, you know, if, if a coordinator of one of the best defenses in the country last year comes in this year and, you know, there's a now a different issue than what we had last year, is it a coordinator issue or is it a player issue? That's that. That's where I think the the conversation needs to be kind of, and it's not so much attack players because I don't attack players, um, myself included, very much myself included. But like, it, this isn't a, a scenario where it's like you know they're spamming certain calls because it's not working. One of the biggest things that was happening tonight was they were in second longs and third longs, and they couldn't. And part part of the way they couldn't really call man coverage, and that's fine. But even when they were in second and long, they're in you know second and six, third and third and fives. They couldn't really trust their guys to be good enough to be to to disrupt routes. That's the biggest. That's the bigger issue. They couldn't disrupt. They couldn't trust their guys to sit there and disrupt routes. So what else do you want them to do in that scenario? Right? It's either they give up, you know, 20, 30, it's like about 15 yards underneath, or they give up 80 yards on, on one play. And that's the kind of, that's the, the rock and the hard place right now that they're at until they are able to, they need, they just need to flip the, flip the roster at, at that position. That's going, that is, that is priority number one in the, in the, in the transfer portal right now is a defensive tackle because they're losing a lot of guys that have defensive tackle. But priority number two is going to be, is it's going to be the defensive backs. Like that is going, like that is where they need to have the biggest roster flip at. And I don't think necessarily losing a guy like, I know. And I think losing a guy like Khalil Barnes was, was tough, but I don't think he's necessarily the type of guy that they're looking to. That's not, that's not where the issue is, at least for the, for the most part. Like the, the biggest part is they're outside guys. They just have not been strong enough to get people off the ball. And that's an issue. So no, I mean, if, if you want to be as, if you want to be someone that's like, okay, cool. Like, you know, it's, it's the coordinator, 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 like, you know, good coordinators do good, good coordinators do bring out the best in these guys, but at a certain point, there's only so many, there's only so much you can do if guys are just not executing that, like, that's the biggest issue is if the guy that it, it wasn't necessarily, this is the wrong call here. This is, wasn't this, that last year, you could pretty much say, okay, cool. You know, they're spamming this call over and over and over this year. It's I've thought the play calling at least on defense has been fine. You know, people are going to be mad about three, three man rushes and four man rushes. Like if you have a guy that's a mobile quarterback, and this is something that I don't think people have to, this is something that Wick actually took advantage of last year with Sam Hartman, with Jamie Newman, with uh, John Walford. When you have a mobile quarterback and you have a spy that essentially takes away someone you have that can be in coverage because he's, he's kind of in coverage as, as a spy, but it, on the whole, 
he's pretty much saying, hey, I am here to just keep my eyes on the quarterback. So now you're down to essentially 10 men playing right now. If you have four guys rushing, now you're down to six guys. And if you have they have a if you have a running back, now you're now down to five and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You you essentially are saying, I either am going to put a spy out there and hope for the best with a three-man rush or even a four-man rush. And if you do it a four-man rush, you better pray you get home. Or you should sit there and go with no spy. And if you get if if he scrambles and breaks the pocket and something happens, it doesn't have to just be a run. If he breaks the pocket and is able to, to get outside and extend the play, then that gets things get rough. And you know that's where you kind of miss a guy miss a guy like Malik Mustafa a bit. But I mean, it wasn't for the most part. It was just guys weren't able to get people off the routes. That's that's it. That's just what this season boiled down to. That's what boiled down to against Clemson. Guys weren't strong enough to to keep guys off to bowl them off the routes. If you look at a game like honestly not even UNC, they that was just one mistake and one mistake by Sam and they they lost that. That was kind of it. NC State, prime example of that of they were in the right position most of the time. And then you know guys just weren't strong enough to get them off the ball. And that's that's sort of it. So I mean if you turn let's turn the page over to next year. I mean, there is, I think, I think they'll be fine. I, I think they'll be fine. I mean, I'm, I don't think there'll be a you know, 10, 11 win season. Like I, I think that would be dumb to pick next year. Uh, just with just the amount of they play boss, they're going to obviously go out there and fight. And, you know, the team goals are obviously going to be go 12 and 0. Well, one and 0 12 times, but I mean, you you need you need a you need some corners in the portal. I think you absolutely need. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be some tough converse conversations come Monday. Um, tomorrow, I mean, obviously it's 24 hour rule, so they're going to kind of digest everything, go from there. But I think starting this week, there's going to be some tough tough conversations with some guys that are slated to come back, both secondary. Um, I mean. They they need bodies. I when I did the the numbers right now, I have the I had them pegged to lose twelve guys during the. Uh, I have twelve guys pegged to be gone after the season just because of the exhausting eligibility, or they've already told us that they are leaving, and then they also are holding one scholarship right now, so they go from eighty five to seven to seventy two just like that. As a reminder, they're slated to sign 19 guys. They're, they're, they're trying to get a, a linebacker in the, in the in the high school ranks. So right now I'm, I'm, I'm holding 19 spots just for that. So they need to get down to, what is that, 66 in order to, to be fine. So right now, just for those 12 guys and the extra position, down to 72. On the fence, uh, I had seven guys that were on the fence. Uh, Christian Turner, A.T. Perry, Spencer Clapp, Michael Jurgens. Corey Johns, Rondo Bothroyd, and Zach Ranson. You know, if all seven of those guys are, if all seven of those guys are are out, then you know you're down to 65, which means you have the ability to sign one person in the portal. Um, I think Spencer Clapp will be back next year. I know I'm we're 99% sure an AT Perry's not gonna be back. I would assume Christian Turner's not back next year. 
Zach Branson, I'm pretty sure not back, not back, excuse me, not back next year. So Rondo Lothridge, Corey Johns, Michael Jurgens, three guys that you're really, you're really trying to figure, figure that out on. And you know, that, that, you know, you, you started with 72 and now you're down to 68 and now, you know, you, since you're at 68 and again, you needed to get down to 66 to, to make sure you have numbers in the portal. That just means you just got to have some tough conversations. You know, I don't think that's necessarily preparing for people to leave because, you know, NIL is happening, but I think there are some guys around the team that I don't know if people are necessarily the happiest with. And I think at a certain point, it's not so much happy because of play on not so much like either a problem in the locker room or this or this or that. I think it's more of, look, I mean, you just haven't progressed. I don't think Gavin's just a, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to always name names, but I don't think Gavin's a, a candidate for that at all. But I think that they are, I think that there's some guys around the team that, you know, it's, it's year three, it's year four, it's year five. Like if you're not producing at this point, you're just not producing. And, you know, I, I don't know exactly how many numbers they're, that's going to open, they're going to open up, but again, you need to get, you need to at least two more in case, you know, uh, all of Jurgens, Bothroyd, and Corey Johns come back. So, I mean, but realistically, you need probably five, six spots to open up just so you can make sure you get a couple of defensive tackles, get a cornerback or two, and then be able to sign, I would assume, possibly someone on the offensive line, maybe another depth receiver. I'm, I'm not really sure where they go from there. I mean, you, you do lose A.T. Perry, but, you know, does someone like a, do a couple guys that are in the the wings that aren't named Wesley Grimes kind of look elsewhere. So I don't know you, that's not my job. That's not my job to make those, to make those decisions. But I do think that the biggest thing is going to be, they just need, they just need just talent infusion at certain spots. You know, that's just going to be it. They just need talent infusion at certain spots. I thought, I I thought people had, Someone in my mentions was talking about the offensive line. Not the offensive line actually played pretty well for the most part. Duke consistently brought brought pressure, um, and of course that's going to lead to why don't we wait bring pressure? I think I think Duke essentially essentially brought six to seven guys because they didn't want RPOs. That's not something Wake was ne- is necessarily going to be concerned with. And Wake actually did bring pressure. There were a lot of times they were bringing six seven guys, especially in that second half, and. I mean, part of it was they, even with the, even with the pressure, it was just pitch, pitch and catch because guys can get beat off their, off the routes. But yeah, I don't, oh, I mean, it's tough, you know, it's definitely a disappointing season. It is, there's no ifs, ands, and buts about that. It is, it, you know, I think there were ifs, ands, and buts about that beforehand, but now with this one, it is, a, it, there is no longer ifs, ands, or buts. And that's kind of where you, that's kind of where that nuance is, is, you know, if, again, if they win this game, they won this, won this game, I would have very much, I would have still been in the in the camp of, yeah, you know, you didn't achieve all your goals, but you know, you, you fought back and you, you rectified it and you went from there. But I also don't think it's a situation that Louisville beat them four times. 
So if you say, if you're, if that's your, your viewpoint, then no. Um, but I mean, I, I, I'm actually curious next year of what the offense looks like without Sam. And it has nothing to do with Sam, but I am, I'm curious of if it moves back to what we saw with more John Walford S schemes than we saw with Sam Hartman. Cause I think there's been an evolution of the offense every single at every single point in time. And I feel like they were less, they weren't as fast. I, I, I feel like they, they weren't as fast, you know, when in John Walford's last two years or so, as they've been, you know, in 2019 with Sam or 20, 2018 with Sam, 2019 with Jamie um, and 2021 and, and even now. So I'm curious. I, Cause I think, I think the, I, I think it's going to also depend on what they can get in the portal. Because at, at a certain point, something's just not sustainable. And I think that, and it's not saying something's bad, but we're getting to the point that I think certain things aren't sustainable. And I think certain, certain things aren't sustainable of you being a team that is scoring so much and obviously scoring points is how you win. And that's never, it's not some, not, I'm not going to sit here and say they need to be a team that sits here and scores 13 points and becomes a and become a uh big 10 west uh offense or big 10 general offense but i do think that there needs to be some sort of give and take in terms of how fast they're going and especially if you especially when you know the deficiencies on your defense that's i think that's the more concern i have i i think you know there there's a there's a talent issue on on defense that is an issue and that is something I cannot that I'm not ignoring. There is a talent issue, especially at corner right now. They need to be better there. They need to have better players there. Injuries do do are hurting them at a certain point, but at a certain point, guys just have to make that have to play better. They have to execute better. This has been a this season has come down to execution. They have not executed when they needed to on both sides of the ball. They have not executed, but especially on the defense, they have not. But I think you know you look you look at the teams that are just out here scoring at a at high rate, and you look at Tennessee's number one. Their defense is awful. Ohio State, I mean, Ohio State scoring defense is a lot better because they play in the Big Ten. Let's just say that. I think we saw, I think we saw a little bit of that this year of of that um, today with Michigan. That a team that actually was able to saw a little bit of that with Maryland, even a team that was able to be vertical on them really hurt and they just couldn't do anything about that and they have arguably the best defensive coordinator in, in the league well in the, in the country uh, so that's that's kind of where i go is it a, is it a coordinator thing or is it just a style thing look at oregon oregon's defense no bama's defense no i mean again another another scenario where a team like tennessee got vertical on them and they had no idea what to do washington's defense is not good and you kind of keep going down this list and going down this list. UCLA, no. TCU's has been has been fine. Uh, they definitely have, have their fair share of coverage coverage bus. Michigan is probably the probably the biggest. Michigan and Georgia are probably your two biggest outliers. And is that a talent thing or is that who they play thing? I think it's more of a talent thing. Houston, no. Wake Forest, no. Utah's defense has been garbage this year. They have they have not been a good defense this year. That has been a consistent thing. I've watched probably. 
I'd say nine, like fully about nine games of, of Utah. And that, that defense is, that defense is not good. It has, it has not been a good defense this year. They were, they have some good pieces there, but they, they, but they have bust so much. And, you know, I think part of that is the people in the pac 12 aren't that great, but when they've had to play good teams, they've, they've given up points. And that's been a, that's been a thing. North Carolina's defense awful. Florida State's has been better. You know, I, I think they they have some some flaws there, but they've been better. And so that so that's kind of where you know once you get out of that top ten, top fifteen, that's kind of where you start kind of going. Okay, is it a sense of is there a sense of do we need to do we need to change up something? You know, was that the issue tonight? No, Duke was Duke was bleeding clock, but I think for the for a majority of the of the, of the of moving forward, possibly. I mean, that has that has been an issue in the past, and that has been an issue a fair amount of this year too. I, I think they are going. I think every year there's going to be some sort of evolution with this offense, and I think part of the way for next year and moving forward is: are they able to play a ball control styled offense? I think Dave Clawson kind of hit it on the head today that they needed two first downs and they couldn't get that. And that's that's where and that's where I think the biggest kind of issue is is that they're not able to flip a switch. I, I think they are one of the best one of the best offenses in the country when it comes to just okay, cool, we need to just go out there and score, score, score. But when it's you just need a first down, that's where Wake has kind of struggled, and that's where Wake has struggled the last few years. Is they just they just whenever they just need that, just you know just to pound through it and just, and just ice the game. They really struggled in that, in that aspect. And that's just, and is that on the coaches, is that on the players? I think it's a bit on both. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, running three straight running plays into, into eight man boxes. Sometimes it's like tonight where Duke ran a six man blitz on third and two, no one got open. Sam took a sack, you know, it's the same way of, you know, you needed to kind of just get the change. But when you had two, you had essentially two minutes in all three timeouts and you have drop, 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 drop. And, you know, you have the same way of, and then you can kind of point back to the, I'll start with it, start with the UNC game of can't you, you're driving down the field and then you just throw late on the throw and it's an interception. You, you're at, you have third and goal and four or fourth and goal and you kind of fumble the snap or you miss AT pay right in the middle. Look at NC State where you just kind of needed to get things going and you just can't. Like it it it's that's that's kind of where it's where I kind of this year has been weird compared to last year where it felt like whenever they needed to go and just get a just get a first down or get a touchdown, really it's touchdown on first down that Syracuse game is haunting. Same with Louisville. Where you know they need to go get the score, they can do it. This year it just hasn't felt that way, and I mean it's just execution. You know, it does, at that point it does come to Clawson, but I mean at a certain point it's just execution. This year has just been too variable, up and down, and I think next year the the, the goal, especially pushing toward, and this is about my take has always been twenty twenty four has been the one year twenty twenty three is you know you win eight games. And that's kind of it. You win eight games, and that's you know you're pushing the eight games and further. That's that's it. I think next year 
the biggest thing I want to see is how more, how balanced can you be? I just don't think we've seen a balanced output at all this year. I think the actual, I think the, the only balanced output we've seen was against army and possibly against Boston college, but everything across the board has just been too up and down. It's been too variable. It's either the offense is playing well and, you know, you just can't do anything and, or the defense just can't do anything about that. You have a game like Louisville where honestly the defense is playing fine. And then the offense just looked terrible. You have a game like Liberty where it's really a tale of two halves of first half, everything kind of looks great. And the second half they're holding on for dear life. Florida state kind of the same way, you know, they, Florida State started off a little wonky, but then they put together a really good second and third quarter, and then things got a little hairy because they just both sides of the ball really just got out of whack. You got to have the same thing. I mean, you have the UNC game where UNC is a great offense, but you know you got you started getting you you finally caught up with them off offensively, and then the defense started you know actually getting UNC off their off the rocker, and then you couldn't really put the ball away, and then. You know, you turn the ball over and then you can't get a stop at the end. NC State, really up and down a game that you probably should have won looking back in hindsight. And it's just, that one's just frustrating. And there's just, they just didn't execute at all on either side of the ball, really. Then you have a game like Duke where kind of start out, you just, your defense never really settles in. Your offense honestly never really settled in either. You know, it's weird to say you didn't settle in when you scored 31 points, but. I don't think there's a single point in this game where you could say the offense settled in. They, they were just, they were, they were pretty up and down the entire game. And they, they come out and score easily straight, then punt on seven plays, score easily. They kind of weirdly melt for a field goal and then punt, punt, and then two straight touchdowns and then go and then punt interception. I don't think there was ever a groove. I don't think the offense was ever in a groove. And so I think that, I think that's the biggest, biggest, I think that is the overarching thing and the biggest issues of what is, what has been happening for, for Wake is just, they haven't been able to have a baseline performance. I think we knew what Wake's baseline performance was last year and we just never got that this year. And that's disappointing. That's very disappointing. And there's no way to spin it and be like, well, you know, there's this and this. I mean, it's a point. I think the I think the the the, the best thing right now is that Wake is is poised to size of sign a very good, well, not very good, their best class across the board in terms of average rating, in terms of just star power, in terms of where where the needs are. I think they have a very good guy in Antonio Robinson at corner. They have some good guys at end and Tyler Walton and Carrington Lee. Obviously, a guy like Micah Mays and Hilton Alexander are very good. Uh, I like Charlie Gilliam at quarterback. You know, they do need a linebacker, but I think Rashawn Tongue's a, a very lengthy corner. But I think that's a, that's a great thing. But I think right now they just need to get the stench off this off this season. I think there's not a single person in that locker room that is happy with, you know, I think they were going to be happy in general with how this goes, but this is – this is this is fine. Um, so I'm also not worried about any about like losing recruits or anything like that because of this performance. I no, I recruiting recruiting is is way too fickle for someone to be like win or lose this game and you and you get this. You know there are certain guys that you could that you could 
absolutely point to, but there is, there is just not, no. So I think it's fine. If you're, if you're sitting there, just log off. It's okay. I promise. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening to this. As always go Deeks. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.